Welcome to Live in the Messiah's Love. I'm Kimisha Lucier, Senior Pastor of A Day of Prayer. And if this is your first time joining us, I just want to tell you welcome, and I'm so glad that you're here. And for all of our regular listeners, I love you, and I'm glad, glad, glad that you are here as well. Today's episode is called How to Heal When You've Been Hurt, Rebuilding Trust When It's Been Broken. And this is uh, particularly applicable for marriage. The Lord put this on my heart to talk about today because the body of Christ is in need of help in this arena. And we don't necessarily know how to walk in relationship with others, but then also when there comes a disappointment, when there's a hurt that takes place or offense, how do we move past that? How do we rebuild the trust and keep going um, towards the Lord and, you know, find an opportunity for reconciliation in the relationship? Oftentimes when we think about healing, um, especially like emotional healing, um, internal healing, if you will, um, it's something that we consider as flowing into us as though we're getting something. But there's also a component that is a flowing out that happens as well. And both sides are needed, an inflow of something and an outflow of something to make that healing um, a perfected or a finished work. I'm going to give you six quick steps just to kind of um, think about, and then we'll talk about them a little bit more. The first step is put your feelings aside and ask God to show you the situation um, from his perspective. Put your feelings aside and ask God to show you what the situation is all about from his perspective. Number two is choose to forgive. So I hope you're writing these down. Number three is let your expectation of repayment for the wrong be on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Number four is don't look for that person to quote unquote earn your trust again. That's something that only God can do for you. And we'll we'll talk about why and explain that a little bit more in detail. Number five is examine your own personal accountability. And number six is walk in God's kind of love towards the person that's hurt you. Um, Even if it's your spouse, a sibling, your parents, draw from God's kind of love. So let's go back and, and start talking about these things. Back to number one, put your feelings aside and ask God to show you the situation from his perspective. God is always, 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 always right. And I know you all have heard me say this before. He's never wrong. He's never duped. He's never um, jaded in his thought process. So the God perspective is the only one that is an accurate perspective um, to judge a situation from or to even learn how to feel about a situation because oftentimes we see things from the lens of how does this affect me? So getting God's truth about it will definitely help you and not living by your emotions because emotions are in, I mean, like the, the level of flaw that comes out of emotion, I don't even have words to describe it. But again, not using emotion to judge, but God's truth. The Lord will always tell you how to perceive the situation and he will give you absolute truth and he'll show you what's at the root cause of what's happening. You know, um, what's taking place, why someone may be doing something towards you or not doing something towards you. In the world, I know that we're trained to be offended. Like at pre- present day, um, you know, 2022 on, on planet earth, being offended is trendy. And people get 
PhDs, if you will, in, in the spirit of offense, but I'm telling, I'm saying to you as a, a child of the most high God, you know, lay that aside, especially when it comes to marriage, choose not to be offended and put your emotions on the back burner. And I know God gave us emotions, but he never meant for us to be driven by them. And as you're doing this, rest assured that you're safe in God's hands. I know sometimes we can think our emotions keep us safe. If I if I put my emotions away, then what am I going to use to judge? Or am I going to be protected because then I won't um, defend myself or respond? But if you take on the role of being God in your life, then you have to be responsible for the outcome. But when you let Jesus be who he is, and when you let God um, be who he is in your life, then you are always guaranteed of a good outcome. Now, it may not be what your mind thinks, but it will be good according to God's standard. And that's the only standard that is actually good. Number two, choose to forgive. In Matthew 18, 22, we are given a standard by the Lord that is important to him. Uh, this is the disciple Peter talking with the, the Messiah during his natural ministry. And I'll read it to you. It says, then Peter came to him, that would be Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And then the Lord goes on to talk about, um, give a parable about receiving forgiveness, one servant receiving forgiveness from the the Lord or the master of the, the area. And then that same servant turning around and um, beating someone who owed him much less. So one servant got forgiven much from the master, but then turned around and was unwilling to forgive little from someone else. And the Lord needs that us to keep that in mind as his children, because that is a commandment. We have a commandment to forgive. And also we have a commandment to treat others or to do unto others what we would have done to us. So I know, I don't know about you, but I fully expect ample application of the mercy of God. So because that's my expectation and that's my desire, even if I feel like I don't deserve it, I still want it. I still need it. So I should be turning and offering that to everyone, anyone at, um, at the need of it offering that covering of mercy and grace and forgiveness because I myself received so much grace, mercy, and forgiveness from my heavenly father. And I venture to say you're probably in the same boat <laughs> that the Lord has forgiven you much. So it's only right that you forgive others. And that is the God way. That's how the kingdom operates. The Lord wants us to be a blessing to others, even when they've hurt us. The Lord asked me one day um, when it, we were talking about the, the subject of forgiveness and, you know, I kind of, I grew up in a way that it was an art to hold a grudge. <laughs> it's like, how long can I hold this thing? And, you know, how many people can I put on that list that I have a grudge against them? And so when I came to Christ, it was really unlearning a lot of bad habits, which I would say most, most believers are in that boat as well. But the Lord asked me one day, he said, is there anything or any situation that's worth you letting it get between you and me? Uh, that's me and God. And I said, well, no. He said, is there anything worth you going to hell over? And I was like, ah, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not, Lord. Um, and so then he said, then why, why won't you forgive? Why would you let unforgiveness stand between uh, you and my best. And I thought, wow, that, that's a, that's a very, uh, stark and staunch statement there, God. And, 
it makes sense to me. If I, if I won't let sin get in the way, you know, just flat out sin, keep me from God, then why would I let forgiving or not forgiving someone stand between me and God's best? I always want an open channel a flow from for the the anointing of God to flow in my life for the goodness of God to be shown and manifest in my life and for me just to be blessed you know it might be a little bit selfish but you know I'm, I'm serving God and I want his blessing in my life and because I know what his word says and I know the character and nature of my God I know that he requires forgiveness from me so I'm not going to give that I don't care what the situation is I'm not going to give it room to to not only cause hurt initially, but then to further create harm in my life by keeping me or blocking the blessings of God flowing in my life. So I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, that makes sense. Thank you. I can, I can perceive this a little bit better on why I need to forgive, why it matters to you. The I am that I am. This is another point of why we need to forgive is he can only be in your life who you allow him to be for you. Even though he is, was, and will be everything that you need, he can only give to you or fulfill as much in, for, and through you that you give him permission to and that you let him bring it to pass. And so when you put that wall of, I won't forgive them, God, because when you put that wall up between you and your heavenly father, like, I know what you said, Jesus, but I don't care because this is too important that they wronged me. I need this wall up. But it keeps you from feel, receiving and having the fullness of who God is be manifest in your life. And again, you know, as the Lord, um, you know, asked me that question, I'll pose it to you. Is it worth it? Is it worth um, having a wall between you and your God to hold on to something someone else did to you? And, you know, and, and I, I know the, the character and the quality of a person and being that you are, you're saying no. No, 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 it's not worth it. My God is too important to me. And I'm saying, bravo, that's right, exactly. And I encourage you, keep forgiving, keep releasing, and keep moving towards God in this way. And it is absolutely counter to human flesh. It's counter to culture. It's counter to um, the world system. It's counter to what your flesh or your emotions want to say and do. But it does yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness when you put it into action. And another, you know, one more additional point on this is if you choose to cling to the sin that others committed towards you and make those sins a part of your life, then the Lord has to respect your decision. And what that means is that that hurt, if you choose to hold on to it, well, you don't know what they did to me. And, you know, back in the day, such and such did X, Y, and Z, and you, you hold it in your heart as something that is important to you and that matters, it's going to remain in your life. God will have no reason or opportunity to take that away because it's your friend. Because you choose to keep the thing instead of releasing it under the blood of Jesus, it will remain a part of you and a part of your life. That person's probably going on skipping, skipping to their Lou Whistle and Dixie. They may, they may or may not even remember that they've hurt you or they've harmed you or something of that nature. And it doesn't matter either way, whether they remember or not, but you keep suffering from it over and over because you choose to cling to it. So make your choice to let it go. And the, you know, I see the same thing when it comes to people receiving healing. They feel like that sickness has a benefit to them. If I'm, if I'm sick, then people will pity me. If, if I, if I have this ailment, they'll come to see me. They'll pay attention to me. I'll be important. I'll be special. I'll be trendy. I'll be like, you know, such and such on so and so talk show or whatever. She has this problem too. So we have this together. Well, if sickness is your friend, 
then what is there for God to heal you from? So then you will remain in that sickness because you choose to have it to be a part of your life. And I know that probably sounds really, really harsh and really staunch, but it is true. So the Lord is our God who heals us. He's the Lord, our God who heals us. That is physically and emotionally. So when we choose not to cling to that hurt, when we choose not to find any solace in it, any benefit of rehearsing it, or need to have it in our life or tell others, you know what they did to me, you know, all that kind of stuff, then God has a free flowing path to come to us and bring the forgive, uh, the deliverance and the freedom and the healing that he provides. And forgiveness is also a really big part of receiving physical healing as well. Unforgiveness creates sickness in the body. So, you know, if that's something that you're struggling with, you know, take that word to heart and let the Lord minister to you on it. Choose to forgive so that you have free access and no hindrances to the flow of God in your life and the, the healing power and the anointing of God to be manifest in your life. Now, point number three is let your expectation of repayment for the wrong go to the Lord. Let it be on the Lord Jesus's shoulders. Why? Because there's no amount of money, apology, begging or anything else that can change the past or make up for what has been lost or what happened to you. What can make up for it is the same thing that covers the hurt that you caused in someone else's life is the blood of Jesus. And it would be nice if someone apologized, but really, what does that do? Does that give you back the money? Does it take away, you know, the physical pain? Does it change the betrayal? Absolutely not. It doesn't because there's no time machine. There's no rewind button on life, but the Lord Jesus's shoulders are broad. And I love this about him. He's able to handle anything that we put um, to him. We, we put him to work on. He's able to take care of it. And so letting him be the one who repays you, because remember the Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Meaning not only will he take care of the, the party that's creating or committing the hurt towards you, but he'll also repay you for what's lost. He's the one who said that he would restore us. He's the one who said that he will, um, Give us double for our trouble, if you will, double for what's been lost or broken. So that promise can only be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you look to human flesh to do that, you're going to be disappointed because if you're hurting, you know, oftentimes people are hurting others because they themselves are hurt and they don't have anything to offer you but more hurt. But if you let God do it, he'll make it so that you, there's no even remembrance of the pain. You know, think about Job. At the end of the book of Job, we see that God restored him double for all the pain that he went through, all the lost, all the lost things, the family, the resources, everything God gave God, gave, gave Job double, excuse me. And that is the Lord's way. He wants to bless us immensely. But if you settle for an apologies for me, and that's all you're looking for because I hurt your feelings, then that apology is, is all you have room for. But if you look with expectation on your Messiah to fulfill and to restore, to pay double what was lost or broken, then you have a good expectation. Then you're set in the right place so that you will get not only that the apology, if you will, from the Lord, but you'll get restoration and restitution in any other area that's needed as well. Now, in this, when we put our expectation for repayment on God, that means we let the person that committed the wrong go free. 
We're not living in our emotions. We've already chosen to forgive. And now we're putting the expectation, removing it from the person who hurt us and putting it on God. So they're free to go. They don't owe us anything else. Why? Again, because they cannot repay it. They could not hope to repay it. And the Lord wants us to act towards others the way that he acts towards us. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. And it says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. When you let the repayment um, and that expectation of repayment be placed from your perspective onto the Lord Jesus Christ, it lets the other person go free and it shows them abundant mercy. And it removes, it puts you in a position to remember their sin no more. You're not looking at it every day. You're not rehearsing it in your mind. You're not thinking about it. You're not telling others what happened, but you have forgotten it and you've removed it not only from them, but from yourself. This is how you put it away from you. This is how the Lord treats us. So he does not have to remember our sins and then subsequently deal with us according to our own folly or the unrighteousness that judgment deserves. He can deal with us by grace. Yes. And that comes through the blood of Jesus, but it's his mercy and his grace shown through the blood of Jesus. And then that's how the Lord is treating us. That's how we're expected to treat others. Psalms 103 uh, verse 12 says, as far as the East is from the West, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And again, that's what we want from the Lord, but you're going, okay, well, that's God towards me. So what does that have to do with me towards anybody else? I'm so glad you asked that question. First John chapter four, verse 17 says this, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world glory to god hallelujah didn't that just set you free right there as jesus treats us as he is, so are we in this world we know that he is abundant in mercy and abounding in goodness and truth how do we know this because when he was on the cross he didn't curse the people that had brutalized him and the fact that they were his own creation mistreating him. No, no, no. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't, Jesus didn't retract his love. He didn't jump off the cross prematurely and go, no, you know what, Father, forget these folks. I created them. I literally created them and spoke them into existence. And this is how they're treating me. I'm not doing another thing for them. I'm out of here. You know, he didn't whistle for the angels and have the, the legion of angels come pick him up and fly him back to heaven. And that's how he ascended back to the father. No, he kept, um, he was fervent in his love for us. And he kept until he finished, he kept going until he finished what father God asked him to do. And all of that was for our benefit. And then he said, at the, at the very end of all those things, at the end of the abuse, after they drove the nails, after they were, um, mocking him and betraying him after all of those things he still looked at us and said father forgive them for they know not what they do so that same love that christ had to you because while you may not have physically been there in the time and the moment your sin still held him to that cross your sin was still on him and he still paid the penalty for it. So you're just as guilty of crucifying the Messiah as the people that physically drove the stakes into his hands as the betrayer, because we've all betrayed Christ. I'm just as guilty as you. Are. I'm not saying it's you and not me. I'm just as guilty. And because of his mercy, 
that was extended towards me, now I have the obligation and the opportunity to extend that to someone else. Because of Jesus's mercy, I can look at him now and say, thank you for what you've done and appreciate him. So extending that mercy to someone else who's hurt you gives them the chance to see them the Messiah, to see Christ lifted up. And whether they ever acknowledge that they wronged you or not, it still paves the way for them to be restored and reconciled to Father God, which is the ministry that every believer has as a ministry of reconciliation. All right. Number four, don't look for that person to earn your trust. Okay. That's a, that's a good one. You're like, okay, well wait, but isn't, shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we, shouldn't people earn our trust? Um, And I'll say this to you. Um, There is an element of, of that, but not us putting people through the paces. The trust should come from the Lord saying yes or no concerning someone. The Lord is the only one who is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of any and every heart. It's not you and me. I can't look at you and know who you are from the end to beginning. I can't look at you and judge your every thought and know what you're going to decide and the reasons for your decisions. So when we try to set up our own gimmicks, if you will, our own hoops for someone to jump through, to show that they love us, to show that they're trustworthy again, we end up actually depending on our flesh. And we we not only do um, the Lord a disservice and we treat people in an unloving way, we actually create more obstacles for God to work through to bring reconciliation or restoration, especially when this is the case of marriage. That typically ends up being one of the places that I see that kind of, well, you got to earn my trust being more heavily used. Um, then there's a difference between operating in wisdom and then saying, you got to earn my trust. And, and unless you do X, Y, and Z, I'll never trust you again. That's ungodly and that's manipulation. That's trying to control someone versus what the Lord provides is for us to trust in his judgment concerning everyone and letting Holy Spirit, um, guide us and usher us into how do we have a relationship with the person after the trust has been broken and in the the course of either reconciliation. And there's sometimes that the relationship cannot be restored because the other person is unwilling, but it shouldn't be because we're unwilling. People will, if we put our hands and ourselves in God's hands, the Lord has a way of removing things from us that should not be there. And that includes people in relationships that should not be there. And we don't have to protect ourselves. We let God do that. And then what he does in return is he gives us safety mechanisms to help us remain just that safe in every situation. Um, and here's, here's what they are. He gives us his word. He gives us the inward witness of the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth and to show us exactly how we're to carry ourselves and what to do. He also gives us wisdom on how to act and all of those things working together. That's the Lord ministering to us that keeps us safe. I, I would say the witness of the Holy Spirit and, and his wisdom that's based on his word is probably 98% of the protection that we walk in in the earth. You know, you might think you see in the Bible, there's angels all around and things of that nature. And they are, we are surrounded by ministering spirits. They're here to minister for the, us who are heirs of salvation and they're doing the will, work in the will of God. But what the Lord wants to show us and he, what he governs us by, he gives us his word and he gives us his wisdom on how to apply that word to our life so that we, we make good judgment and good decisions. We make the righteous decisions and we live in that. 
I think we talked about that in, in one of the previous episodes that we can't, you know, paint God into a corner with a damsel in distress mentality thinking that's going to make God act on our behalf. For example, I, I think I gave the, the example of a woman who was believing God for safety and protection. And the Lord told her she had inward witness. And he said, don't go down the alley. Go take another route around to go on your way home. And the woman said, I'm ignoring you, God. I want you to do it this way. So I'm going to walk down the alley and I want you to protect me because I'm walking. I choose to walk down the alley. Well, she disregarded the protection, the wisdom that was given to her, which included that was how the protection was being delivered. And the Lord was going, the angels are ready to walk her home around the other way, but the angels are not there to help us in our own disobedience. Amen to that. Hallelujah. They're not here to help us be disobedient to the will of the Father because they are here to do the will of the Father. And when we separate ourselves from the will of God, now we're on our own. Now we're going to be in peril. And the woman ended up being mugged and, you know, was, was, um, you know, beaten up a little bit or whatever when she went through the alleyway. But that's not God's fault. God said, here's my wisdom. Here's the inward witness of Holy Spirit. Here's my word. And it's our job to listen to his word and then let that be the mechanism and the method that God keeps us safe versus us making our own path and plan and telling God to jump into our box and do it our way. So when we use what the Lord has provided for us, especially as we're talking about um, healing from hurt and then how do we move forward and um, I'll give an opportunity for reconciliation or restoration, it's important that we rely on the safety mechanisms that the Lord has provided and not our own, not the world's version, not what, you know, someone said one time that, that, that they thought or anyone else's experience, but Based strictly on what God has said, because he's obligated to fulfill his word, not your word. He said his word does not return to him void, not what I said he would do in that in that context. So put your trust in the Lord and let him tell you when and with whom you are safe, because again, he's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and let God set your boundaries. Don't build your own internal walls. And like we, we talked about, there's a connection between unforgiveness and internal walls. So if you feel like you're building up a wall, go back and check. Did I, did I forgive? Did I take care of um, step number two and choose to forgive and then follow through on that forgiveness? There should be no walls in you. There should be, I'm never going to ever, unless you're saying you're never going to betray the Lord your God, <laughs> you're always going to walk with him. You shouldn't be having those um, absolutes or ultimatums to God towards the people that have hurt you. You should be saying, well, I'm going to love them. I'm going to put them back in God's hands. I release them from their debt to repay me and their obligation to earn my trust. I trust who you trust, Lord. I, I believe you because you're a good God towards me. And I will walk in what you tell me, Father, because I know that I'm safe in your hands. Number five is examine your personal accountability. I know, <coughs> excuse me. That's a hard one. That is a hard one because it, it means that I have to look at myself and say, am I at fault in any way in this situation? Have I walked inside your perfect will, Lord? Have I done everything that I'm supposed to do? Or did I contribute to this in some way? Did I contribute to this hurt or this offense in some way? And, you know, it's trendy to be a victim and it's human nature. It's human nature to feel victimized and to think about what anyone has done to you and 
and the effort of doing that to all to, to magically delete what you may have done to them or what you may have done that opened the door or contributed. But it's it's not wisdom to do that, to think about yourself as a victim, because we are told that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. And we always have the victory. He always leads us in triumph and processional in Christ Jesus. So to look at ourselves and be victims does not um, commend us to the word of God. It doesn't commend us to the ways of God. And it only gives the adversary um, more foothold in our life to create that same kind of havoc over and over again. But if you can figure out, if you open the door somewhere for some kind of hurt or things of that nature, then that means you have power and ability to shut the door. Um, you know, if you disobey, like the, the example we talked about of the woman who the Lord told her, don't go down the alley. And she decided she was going to go down the alley anyway and make God protect her the way that she wanted. Well, if she had examined that instead of being upset with the Lord and said, okay, God, what did I do in this situation? Did I contribute to this in any way, shape or form and teach me, Lord, tell me the truth so that I can be made whole and so that I can um, walk closely and closer with you in the, as I go on, Lord, show me, show me where I missed this. And, or, you know, if I contributed to this and then the Lord would have said, Ma'am, my love, I told you not to go down there. I told you to actually take another way home. I had positioned that angel. He was waiting on the sidewalk for you over there. And if you had taken that path, he would have escorted you all the way home safely. And so for that person to hear that truth from God, now she has an opportunity to make different choices in her future. But if you never look at what you did or what your personal accountability, and I, this is something I practice often with God, is to look at my personal accountability, especially before I find fault with someone else, because that way I have power to change my future. I have power to change what happens. And it also helps me to see that person with more grace and to see them with more of the love of God and offer forgiveness that much more freely. Like, okay, if I had done this the way you told me, Lord, then that would have taken away the adversary's opportunity to work in their flesh, or it would not have impacted me as much, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever the, the result is that the Lord is speaking to me about. And that empowers me to not, not be anybody's victim. And it helps me to walk perfectly in alignment with the victory that God has given me. And it's not always easy. It does get easier as you practice it, but it does take diligent effort. And everything in Christ requires our effort and it requires our choice to walk with him. So let's move on to step number six, which is walk in God's love toward your spouse or whoever it is that has hurt you. Um, if you live your life based on the love of God and that is the source that you're drawing from and and what you dispense to others, you're never going to fail. You'll always be in perfect alignment with God, your father. That'll, that personal accountability that we were talking about, it'll only be on the positive side that you are only doing what God wants. And you'll find that you never run out. The, the water that Jesus talked about when he was meeting with the woman of well at the well, the living water, that's his love. That's the life that comes out of him. And we, we know that God is love. He doesn't just have love, but he is love. That's what first Corinthians chapter, um, I'm sorry, not first Corinthians. Um, that's what the word tells us that God is love. And because that's what he is, it's not just what he has. It's 
everything that's within him. I'm sorry, that's First John um, chapter 4, verse 8. It says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And First Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that love never fails. So we know that that's only the God kind of love that never fails. Human love is very limited because it is self ish selfish in nature and it's self-based what about me how do i feel about this how does this affect me and it's limited in its expression towards others that's why um marriage that's based on sexual love or um just emotional attachment doesn't often last because those things are limited and they come out of human flesh, but the God kind of love is able to source and to fulfill every kind of love that's needed for every relationship that God has ordained. The God kind of love will answer it and it will, it will, um, dispense the right answer and the right kind of love in that situation and the moment that's needed for that particular relationship. So I just wanted to leave you with those things and I just want to encourage you as you continue in your life and your walk with Christ that you're always looking for an opportunity to connect with him. You're always looking to find his word to be true in your life and to put his word into action. I hope you were strengthened and encouraged today. I can't wait to meet with you back here next week. If you have an opportunity, um, share this podcast with someone else, you know, maybe set up a, a listening party and you guys listen to it at the same time and then discuss what was taught in the podcast and how you can apply it to your lives and continue to share it with others so that they are blessed and they're able to mature in the things of God right alongside you. And I want to encourage you to remember to live your life in the Messiah's love. God bless you.